Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of State of the Art. And as you guys know, if you've been following along, this month's theme is environmental art. So we're talking to um, artists and and people in the arts who are tying environment into their work uh, from kind of a bunch of different angles. So today we're really excited to speak with an artist uh, named Frankie Cruz based out of Miami, Florida. And Frankie is a, a painter by background. Um, but he's relying on a really unconventional source to create these awesome, large, abstract paintings, butterflies. So I don't want to reveal too much right now. We'll talk about it as the conversation goes on. Uh, but Frankie seems to have established a really cool, creative, symbiotic relationship with these little guys. So so welcome to the show, Frankie. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? I am very well. Excited to be on here. So I'm working with the butterfly, but not using the butterfly itself. What I'm using is uh, to make the paintings or what the butterflies are secreting onto the paintings is their meconium. So the butterfly, when it emerges from the chrysalis, uh, it hangs upside down, pumping liquid into its wings. Okay. And starting this, this liquid, which is the, the remnants and the leftovers from their metamorphosis process. Because basically inside of that chrysalis, it's like this mucus mostly liquid and bits of nerve and brain that are mushy, like cottage cheese, like almost like, <laughs> and, and that liquid substance, that mucus substance reassembles itself to become this new entity inside of there. So, well, look, man, I'm, I'm going to have a lot of questions about, uh, this work because it's really exciting stuff. But before we go there, I, I kind of want to get a little background, man. You, you studied fine art painting in college. Yeah. And you've been kind of doing graffiti before uh, before you adopted this sort of more unconventional medium, right? Yes. So actually, graffiti led me to doing fine arts. And then and then I would take breaks on and off between like painting in the studio and going to school and then like taking a pause from school to go and paint murals and run around town. Do that with friends around throughout the city. And yeah, from that traditional background, that traditional painting background. So... What was sort of the genesis? What was the path for you from uh, from street art to fine art school into working with these insects and butterflies? Well, I hit this point in my uh, in my investigation where I was like, where I felt like I needed an investigation actually, where I asked myself like, what am I actually doing? Am I just making these objects? Continuously making more objects, horses, or buying canvas, buying paint materials to make these paintings, or making these beautiful murals with spray paint and then discarding this, you know, not only discarding these fumes and these things into the air, but like also these like cans themselves. And just, there was so much um, byproduct, right. To make all this artwork. And at one point I just hit this place where I asked myself, how can I, um, how can I shift into something else? You know, there's already enough objects, right. So I started working with like found objects and, collecting these fabrics from these couches that had these floral patterns and, and all of them, and I just let myself go in a different direction, kind of like halted the, the painting and the mural painting and the spray painting and just started looking at the world a little bit differently, you know, with, I set myself with that problem and, and it just didn't feel good to be honest, like take myself out of my comfort zone, but yeah, it was necessary, you know? <laughs> so, and it, it seems like just kind of going back through your history that this started with uh, the performance piece, One Fifth of an Ounce. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that piece? It was a performance I did at Spinello Gallery for their Full Moon show, which was their like 10th year anniversary show. And I wasn't with that gallery officially then. So I was invited to do a performance at a time where I was really thinking like, um, you know, I have these paintings in the studio. We can just frame those and hang them. So that's what I do. 
I didn't really have a performance in mind, but I did have this um, repairing a butterfly wing gesture that I wanted to bring into the art world. And at first it started with a friend and we were going to do it as a workshop. And it was inspired by this YouTube video of a gentleman repairing the wings off of broken living butterflies, right? Monarchs to be specific. And um, this gentleman by the name of Chris with the Live Monarch Foundation happened to actually be in Boca Raton, Florida, where I'm from. So I came back to Florida with this idea, communicate with him. The workshop never happened. Two years later, I get invited to do this performance. Eventually, um, it was suggested to me that I do that as the performance. I said, okay, I'll do it. Let's go. I'm signing on, but I can't guarantee you that this will, that this will, that this will happen. I have no idea where to start, you know? Nothing about butterflies, except for like in my nature, naturally as a kid, I was that kid that was looking on the rocks and looking at the grubs and, and just immersing myself in these tiny worlds and the world that is like nature. Which comes from my upbringing, you know, I didn't have every new toy and all these things. So, like, I gravitated towards, like, real life and like, yeah. sword by butterflies as a kid and like, smashing them, you know, which is like, <laughs> right. So, I'm, I'm, I'm tapping into that childlike curiosity. It's, it's, it's almost like I'm, I fell into that same stuff that I was into when I was like seven, looking at the rocks, right? Yeah. So, um, so I signed on to do that performance and immediately started doing research, like, by any means like necessary which is like youtube go to butterfly world where do you go to learn about butterflies i don't know i don't have any biologists or i at the time didn't have any biologists or entomologists friends so went to butterfly world and went to fairchild and saw their exhibition and just learned as much as i could online and it's just it didn't take long before the caterpillars and the the milkweed plants which are the host plants the monarch butterfly Meaning that that's the plant where the, the, monarch, the monarch lays their eggs, which is the only plant that caterpillar specifically can eat, right? Okay. So I ended up finding that plant at a park with eggs on it. I was like hunting eggs and caterpillars. It's basically like I learned through obsession in a way, right? Like, all right, I choose to be obsessed with this. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and literally couldn't stop thinking about that till the end of the performance. And now they're in my studio <laughs> and it never stopped, right? <laughs> So the performance ended up being a success. I, can, I, I connected with butterfly experts, long story short, and uh, repaired four living butterflies, um, you know, cut their wings off, find, find broken butterflies in the wild. I found them two days before the performance. They didn't even know if I could do the performance because I didn't actually have the butterflies. I had everything set up, the greenhouse. I had already done tons of research, been raising butterflies myself. And um, I knew where there was one field where there's monarchs that I can't even get to now because there's like a double barbed wire fence, not a lo- not just the one barbed wire fence that I had to jump. <laughs> Luckily, found four broken ones that needed my help in my process at the time. That that was it. Uh, the performance. I became the specimen myself. It was funny. I'm I'm staring at the at the creatures in the Tupperware and I'm raising them in these little plastic containers, and then I'm in this plastic greenhouse hmm. in the gallery surrounded by plants and it's like this fractal almost like they're in the containers they're eating i'm observing them and, the, and then the crowd is observing me as i'm repairing this butterfly yeah in this scene. so they never left my studio since then and that their metamorphosis process entered my process and was filtered through my process through the different objects and different things and i never originally planned on collecting secretions coming from them that was chance <laughs> I was raising them at the window and I was like wondering I could wipe this windowsill right now or I could recognize that nature's already making these beautiful abstract paintings and I can slide a piece of watercolor paper under there. Yeah. And basically what I'm still doing, 3,000 butterflies later, I don't know how many paintings later. Like, um, <laughs> so 
so to take a little step back, like what when you say you're repairing their wings, and I know that um, you know, maybe this isn't like super critical to the actual art piece, but I'm just kind of curious as like the nerd in me, what is what was broken about the wings that needed mending and how do you actually mend these wings? Um, no, the wings were like literally broken, for example, like you wouldn't do the repair if it's just a little crack, a little thing, you know, but if it's okay. like let's say ten percent is missing and um and it's hindering their flight. Okay. What you would you would cut cut a straight line where the where the, the broken piece is. Mm. And then you need to do the same for the like the surrogate wing, which I ended up getting for my process from the gentleman who made the video, the YouTube video in the first place. Because I wanted to make sure I got it from someone that was not going to hurt the creatures or sell me broken butterflies just to make a buck. Because butterflies are actually pretty expensive online if you're trying to buy 200 of them. Right. Not that I was going to buy 200 at the time, but there are merchants out there. So you cut the surrogate wing and you cut the other piece off and then you use a toothpick with a tiny, tiny dollop of contact cement and you lay a line on both parts. And this is where like I have our shaking hands already. Right. <laughs> I learned that even more so when I was tattooing in the past. And that interesting that that process helped me set up this like surgery for this butterfly. Yeah. And give me some of this like fine touch. And now I have to like apply this butterfly wing perfectly because if it's at a wrong angle now the butterfly is flying in circles and i just hurt this creature in front of an audience not only did i hurt this creature on its own if i was doing this at my place that i also hurt it in front of an audience and then it's like right defeats the whole entire purpose because the the reason it's titled one fifth of an ounce was is that's what a butterfly weighs right so it's to have empathy for a creature so so light so insignificant to a lot of people like an insect of of that size most people don't actually care about you know yeah so they see me in a greenhouse cutting the wings, and that process eventually led me to doing. Well, they they flew and it was a success. It was just like dead quiet when I was doing this repair for one of them. Yeah, hear the whispers like, "Is he killing them?" Little kids like, "What is he doing?" Right. And I'm screaming so like, and the moment the butterfly escapes my hands, right, right when I'm trying to let it go after the procedure, it flies up in the air. There's like an uproar. So that's like what my nerves also felt like. Yeah, and that was really intense and a beautiful poetic gesture. But I realized from doing the research and living with them that what they actually need is not like people going out there repairing butterfly wings, but it's like that gesture. Like now I care about them. Right. And now what do I do to actually save them? So like the process has turned into the splatters are actually perfect for in order for me to make these paintings and collect their meconium. I need to help them through their process. Yeah. In order for me to have butterflies, I need to have plants, which means I need gardens, which means the community needs gardens. Like I don't even have my own, garden at the studio right now i have an annex garden now that i'm partnering with this place called center for subtropical affairs and raising them in my own where my studio is is a warehouse district so it's like all concrete and then my my studio you know there's like a bunch of pots and plants and i'm out there harvesting caterpillars in this concrete jungle right but i am partnering with a a, a garden and i've spread tons of milkweeds with through friends and other small gardens throughout the community it's like a process that's 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 that needs the community in that sense. Yeah, so I mean, it, it seems like it really is this sort of full circle conservation art piece, right? I mean, it's you're bringing in community to help cultivate uh, really the grubs, right? The the little caterpillars that then you're bringing back into your lab to create all this work. And it really seems like it's this just kind of continuous cycle, this machine, as you put it, right? Yeah, I imagine this uh, a butterfly painting machine that... Uh, exhaust butterfly right so like it's like imagine the studio ghibli frankie's moving laboratory with like butterflies as its exhaust right 
completely exhausted. Yeah. Actually, one of the, the deals I have with uh, local gardeners and, and other pollinator um, people uh, is that I will collect their caterpillars, help them feed them. Sometimes people run out of plants to feed them. And I could, I just really want your secretion. I will take care of your, of your caterpillars and chrysalis and keep your secretion and then take the butterflies back to their garden, you know? So, so that's been working great. My friend just brought me like 20 gold fritillary caterpillars. Yeah. I know that the the audience won't see this. (laughs) And this, um, transparent container. Yeah, they're awesome, man. (laughs) And black spiked caterpillars that will turn into this beautiful orange butterfly that will lay its eggs on the passion vine, which is what this caterpillar eats. And it's amazing in its own right. It's, it's it looks like a tiger on the top where it's like, has these dark stripes and, and orange. And under on the underside, it's like this yellow to red fade where it looks like fire. And then it has these patches of like these metallic patches under its underwear. It is funny, man, because one of the challenges about uh, doing an art podcast is that, you know, you have to use your imagination to try to see what the artist is creating, or hopefully you go and follow them and see it that way. But, but for our listeners, can you kind of give, you know, a visual for what, um, what this process looks like and like what the actual end result paintings are? Well, for example, this gopher delivery, this caterpillar will turn into that butterfly and will give me this magenta color splatter. Butterflies are born. They mate in the air. Hmm. The monarchs mate in the air for up to two days. They attach each other, and they will lay up anywhere from seven hundred to a thousand eggs. The monarch butterfly. So the caterpillars come from eggs. The eggs are laid on the specific plant called the milkweed, and most butterflies have a specific plant that they need to lay their eggs on, which would be considered their host plant. Basically, you plant the host plant, you'll have the butterfly right in your garden. Butterfly garden planting tip for our audience that doesn't know. <laughs> Host plant and you plant nectar plants, the butterflies can eat. You have a good combination of native nectar and host plants. You're going to have those butterflies in the areas. The monarch can uh, smell that that plant in, in a two mile within a two mile radius. Um, so this is all part of my process, and this is what I think about and see whether in my mind's eye or through the microscope or through just me staring at them all day. The egg is laid. The caterpillar will come out, eat the eggshell. Then shed, eat, 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 and eat, and consume their ravenous little clumsy consumers that will later climb up and hang in a J formation and then rip their bodies apart. This is a long story short. This all happens within a month. So let's say the, the egg is laid in four days, the caterpillar will come out. Then in 15 days, that caterpillar will grow exponentially, like twice its size every day for 15 days, so it goes from the size of a pinhead to two inches long. Then it will walk anywhere 30 feet away from the plant, climb up somewhere, and start to digest its body, right? It like basically starts to like digest its body and become the chrysalis within itself, because that's the difference between a chrysalis and a cocoon. The chrysalis comes from within the creature. Hmm. So this thing starts to rip its back skin open and peel its body off, peel it apart, and and then it has to do this thing with the cremaster, which is the black little, little like stem that's on top of the chrysalis that you see there. And it has to attach that to this little knob of silk and then get, while it's still holding on with the feet from its old body that it's being ripped apart and taken off, like, you know, peeling back like a, a wetsuit or something. Yeah. And then hang there. And now it's this like potential 
this pod full of this like goop and all this potential energy now this like this living being is now just liquid within the sack right um and it it wiggles there for a little while but then it dries up and for the monarch specifically they're very beautiful they look like jade with this crown of like gold metallic gold jewels on top and um, a couple other embellishments in gold yeah and that will the females will hang there for nine days and come out and the males for 10 and then they break out of this you know if the process goes correctly and they don't get affected by either a parasitic wasp or oe infection which is a microscopic protozoa they will come out beautifully and break out of the shell and hang there they will have to pump this liquid through the wings and then they, they secrete the the meconia what i do during that process is i will gather the caterpillars when they're big enough from the garden i let them get a big outside naturally and then i bring them inside and take care of them for the other half of their caterpillar um eating rage and they um then when they become chrysalis, I take them out of this system over here and move them to this grid system above, which is like what I call the, the quarantine, like the emergence quarantine, where the, the paintings happen. And I set them up on the grid above the picture. They emerge and then I release them to the gardens nearby. So right now I'm making a garden for them so they have a responsible place to go. Yeah. Um, right before this garden, I was releasing, I sometimes release them here because now I have a garden within two miles and they have plants here. My friend has plants at the studio. My other friend has plants two blocks down. So I can release them here and feel okay about that. But, you know, there's something about being in this beautiful garden that you know that you can just fly right to that plant. In. Yeah. And the, I mean, the aesthetic of this meconium, which is essentially a waste product, right? But I mean, it's, it's these beautiful colors that come out. Yeah. Yes. I've actually had to learn to let go of the, there's a lot of beauty within the process, like like the the chrysalis themselves. All of them from all the species are beautiful in their own right. Like these gems, actually, like the zebra longwing, which is our black and yellow butterfly. That chrysalis looks like if you look at it up close, it looks like an upside down Anubis, like jackal god from the Egyptians. Right. <laughs> it, has, it also has this gold and these layers of like transparent, translucent, pearlescent colors that you sit there and stare at it. It's like there's not that many things that are beautiful. So I've had to learn to let that go because I can't keep the chrysalis. It's a living being. I'm actually just left with an empty shell, right? In the right. process, it's like with magic. So the that and then the butterfly comes out. And that's a beautiful thing. And I have to learn to let that go. So their discards is is how I'm recording these these emergences. All of this this like how I'm recording this metamorphosis. You know? Yeah. Each butterfly gives me a different color. So the 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 monarch butterfly gives me these like yellow ochre, these like browns and red colors not not red but like a burnt sienna so mostly like brown and yellow ochre and then the gulf fritillary and the painted lady butterflies they both give me two different kinds of red so one of them is more like a purple almost like a lizard crimson like magenta red and the other one would be like if i put a little bit of brown in that red so it's a little bit more rust color a little darker hmm. the zebra long wings give me these tiny little dark brown splatters that look like coffee I have these two new chrysalis in here that I'm taking care of, and they're very important to me. They were given to me by my friend yesterday, and they're the Atala butterfly chrysalis, which is a tiny little butterfly that feeds off of this ancient plant called the Kunti. And that butterfly is endangered, and it's native. It's like very special to be able to take care of these from an ecological perspective, right? And then as me as a curious painter, I'm very curious to see what their splatters look like. I don't know what color comes out of them. I hope to see them emerge here and let them go. It's really, really important for that. 
this lab helps the native butterflies. And if I can help the Atala specifically, it would be amazing because their numbers are very, very low right now. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's cool that, that you're getting sort of a whole spread of different butterflies. And I'm assuming, I mean, you didn't have a biology background before this, right? No, I did not. But I'm assuming you're like, you're kind of becoming uh, sort of a, a de facto expert just in kind of seeing this process play out and seeing kind of the variation in the output of all the meconium and sort of, you know, there's like the aesthetic, but then there's what, what that aesthetic means to the butterfly, right? Right. Stare at something for long. You start to have a conversation with it, begin to have almost somewhat of an understanding of what's going on. Yeah. A lot of the times it raises more questions than it, than it answers. Like, what happens inside that chrysalis in that goop when it's reforming itself to become this butterfly? The answer to all life, right? We all start off as this goop. <laughs> Slime molds and, and so on, right? So Right, right. So what, I, I'm curious, man, I mean, I, it's something that clearly you're pretty in touch with the empathy of this entire process kind of front to back, but, you know, you're also a very serious artist. You've worked in different media and trained, um, you know, in at the post-secondary level and all that stuff. So I'm curious for you, like what what part of this process um, is the artwork? Like, do you see it as being this entire sort of month long process or is it sort of the end product? What is it for you? I'm going to say all of it. Every single thing I do is the, the art is as a performance, right? And then everything that's left over, everything that's materialized would be like the leftovers of that performance. Yeah. So like even like the chrysalis and I keep, I keep, I keep a lot of the things, keep the empty bodies from the, the caterpillars themselves. And, but it could also be compartmentalized where like this performance is an excuse for this painting. And these paintings are what comes out of the machine. The other, the other part, the performance is in the lab is the machine. And it's materializing these paintings. But um, the grids themselves are also these beautiful objects that have, like, the props from the play that was these butterflies emerging on here. They become these beautiful objects themselves. The tables are these sculptures that remind me of, like, sarcophagus or something. When you see them inside of this mesh cube quarantine, it's almost like these two sarcophaguses and this thing. So it's, like, beautiful objects in, in themselves that are doing something. So it's, like, these beautiful, like, it's a like a assemblage installation, but it so it can have many facets within me saying it's just all for it's all it's all happening. So when I set it up and I'm setting up the lab in a space like I did in December at Brooklyn City Center and like I've had my lab at like the Mocha Museum, and 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 when I do that I'm entering these places and these concrete buildings. It's interesting. I'm just continuously bringing all this life into these like concrete blocks. And then that's why I'm saying performance, and especially when I'm doing these things in front of an audience. Like there's visitors coming, and I'm 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 actually just taking care of the butterflies and making sure the machine works smoothly, right? Right. So that's, and so then it's I, I be, once again I've become the one being observed, right? So it goes from me observing these guys working in my studio making these paintings because I'm making these paintings they're gonna hang on a wall, right? It's just this object to very quickly this can shift and I can set this up somewhere else or do this in another country or in another state and see what those butterflies have to offer when it comes to meconium. When I'm thinking as a painter, what's my medium going to look like? What does the blue morpho meconium look like from South America? I don't know if you know that butterfly, but it's huge and it has this metallic 
radiant blue color on top of it. Right, right. Just go on and on and on of that blue and structural color and why that looks like that. It's like just an optical effect. There's no actual pigment. But, huh. you know, so to answer your question, it, I'm making paintings and those are the objects and the machine is putting that out. But the machine itself is a work of art. And what I'm doing here is like I am also a part of the machine and it's a performance, especially when I'm performing or when I have it set up somewhere else. Yeah. I, the first two big paintings that I made, these two are 40 by 60 inch paintings and they're going to, each one will emerge, will have 209, 215 butterflies emerge above them. Yeah. Right. And so that's like 420 to 440 butterflies to finish these two pieces. So the last two I made of this scale was at Locust Projects and they were, everything happened in the space. Like I bring these pieces in and they're white. Actually, they're just the frame, the paper. I have to assemble it in there. Right. The caterpillars are eating and I'm on their schedule. I have this like caterpillar clock <laughs> to the right. <laughs> As I'm setting this up, so there's sleepless nights when that happens, right? So I'm on their schedule. I have to hang them up, make sure I get these splatters before. And I've been able to time it and make it happen for openings where, like, people are actually seeing this happen during, like, an art opening or something, you know? Wow. Yeah. So, you know. And I can tell their time better than I can tell our Gregorian calendar or our time, especially yeah. with this. <laughs> so I'm curious, man, like, is this, you know, is, for you, what's the the overriding goal here? I mean, there's there's aspects of art creation here. There's aspects of conservation um, and protection of these butterflies. Um, and then also, like, at the end of the day, like, this stuff costs money and you got to support yourself, right? Like, so hopefully there's some, some consideration of business and how you can actually uh make money off of these paintings or somehow this process so what for you you know like how do you look at those priorities and what's sort of the core motivation for you well the core motivation for me would come from my heart you know and my soul i'm fueled by this invisible energy yeah but this process is um well but let me push back on that is that like is that um this invisible energy to create or this invisible energy to like conserve and commune with these butterflies? Um, or is it, uh, you know, a little bit of everything in between? It didn't have to be butterflies that we just kind of like fell in each other's laps. Like this would have sure. happened with, with anything and I would have dove in in that trajectory because I felt like it, the dialogue needed to happen. So especially the way everything is right now, there's a lot going on where people do need to start caring like a lot, you know? Yeah. Care much care this much where you're going to sit there and do a surgery on, on an insect and like cry for real you know yeah so people need to care this much so definitely that dialogue is what fueled fueled this invest this that, that dialogue that i set for myself through having conversations and, and taking information from everywhere um is what led me to to doing this to that I opened myself to this and I set this barrier in front of what I was comfortable with and it led me to doing this. So and there's so many different ways I could answer this question, you know, because also like it is a, a timely and costly process and I love poetry, but it's very, it's, it's, it's interesting that this process is making a product that, it, that will sell as a beautiful painting so I can continue this process. Right. Also, also there's so many facets to this where, where I'm planting neighborhood gardens and teaching classes. So the process just leads to this, right? And and to me, it just seems like 
it's not me teaching these classes. Like this process is now its own entity and I'm just a cog in its wheel. So, um, so definitely thinking like, like a capitalist where like these paintings need to happen because how else am I going to feel this? But also all these other things need to happen so I can get grants because it's, it'd be very difficult for me to wrangle caterpillars all day and have to go work and come to pay the rent and then do this. So, um, this is the kind of process in order for it to be a success and me to be like, to do what I see that it will do for the community and for itself. Like it needs to be funded. Right. So definitely like definitely thinking yeah, of ways yeah. to fund we just got good word from a, 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 a local grant. Not sure if I'm allowed to say, but I good word from them and that's good. So this, this process will be able to continue for another six to eight months. Nice man. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I plan on continuing this throughout the, throughout the, throughout the machine will stay on for this year for sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. For other ways, I, I will start a GoFundMe soon that you can go on my website and, and donate so this can continue. So I can finish, continue doing this and uh, have an exhibition at the end of the year, possibly where, where these paintings will continue this dialogue that we're having now and fuel the rest. So I can make more. And you know, yeah. Say there's like for every one of these, there's like a there's butterflies in the air. For every one of these splatters, there's, there's, <laughs> do you do you have any idea of um of how many butterflies you've actually harvested, or sort of what your uh, what your footprint has been? Just with these four paintings, there's been let just the four large scale paintings. There's been that's like a thousand five hundred just with those two, right? I'm about to hit the 3,000 mark, maybe. Okay. Not counting, like, the butterflies that people are sending me pictures and things from gardens that have spread just through. People get excited, you know? I'm excited, so people get excited when we talk about it. I will show you and teach you everything I know and spread this everywhere. And Yeah. It's been, it's just, it happens, you know? It gets contagious. Yeah. What is, what is so what's the, uh, I mean, I think one of the things you were mentioning to me before was, like, the, the problem is that, um, you know, butterflies just have a very low survival rate in the wild to even get to the point of butterfly, right? Yeah, it's something about, I know, anyone could like double check my, my numbers here, but something about 4% of like the the butterfly survive. So 4% of 700 is not low, but it's still 4%. Um, me taking care of them, I, I up their chances by a lot more than that. Getting rid of like wasps and lizards tiny things and lawnmowers yeah birds like whatever everything gets to them spiders so oh they do live i think i was thinking lifespan um the monarch butterfly lives anywhere from like two months to nine months like there's a there's a there is a a migrating monarch that lives nine months they take you know they do the migration from canada to mexico right and back which is like a three thousand mile migration and um, I just got back from Mexico to see that this year for the first time. So I got to see the full cycle. I got to see, like, you know, I've seen them, like, be born here. And then I've gone over there and see them, like, go do their thing, which is kind of, like, epic. It's, like, one of those wonders of the world to see. Yeah. I've never been surrounded by that many entities ever. And I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so many yeah. creatures, like millions and millions of butterflies in the air. Yeah, that's something that I... Uh... I think happens like sort of a little bit further south in California too, the the monarch migration and that's like people come from far and wide because it's a pretty pretty mind blowing sight. 
I guess the next step for me would be to like follow them on the migration. I, I did read something about someone, this young lady who did who followed them, and I wish I remembered her name to like credit her, but she did do it. She followed him on her bike. She went on the monarch <laughs> for like all them and did it. Up. That's and awesome, man. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you think like you know this whole thing started for you as like sort of a question mark of of like what am i doing what am i creating what is my impact with the work that i'm creating and that kind of drove you in this direction um do you feel like you're answering that question do you feel like this is a work in progress do you think this is going to develop into like a lifelong passion where do you think this is going for you i don't see it stopping anytime soon because it's um it's definitely a slower process than spray paint so immediate you know um right 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 just for me to make these four paintings been paintings been maybe two to three years to do these four big ones there's also a ton of small experiments and a bunch of things that happen in the studio but and other work that i'm making also like and it's funny because originally i imagined like oh i'll just set these butterflies up on the side and keep making my paintings and i have both these things going and now like this is taking all my because i'm trying to do this at another level now where like i'm doing these large scale paintings and involve a lot of butterflies and the next step is is you know like more paint like i just want to expand and emerge more butterflies and spread more gardens right so like it's taking up all the time right <laughs> i did recently just make uh we turned this mangrove root into this electric guitar for this like biscayne nature residency that we did nice um a friend of mine who makes uh, bass guitars electric bass guitars i had this like root that i brought down from the, the gulf of mexico went camping like who knows eight years ago and i brought this like twisted magic root something like harry potter and steroids and we turned that thing into like this bass guitar with a purple heart wood it's up in the, in the gallery right now so nice <laughs> throw that, you know, there's other things going on yeah 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 gotta keep it fresh man gotta keep the creative muscles flexed out right and 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 this process is like it's till now been kind of seasonal so funding comes in it turns on the, the machine turns on hmm. turns off turns on other things and and other projects and then it turns back on i'm setting it up in the museum and now it's turned on again yeah got a grant so i turned it back on and now that it's on i don't want to turn it back on so right now i'm feeling like i want i want to continue to see how let's just keep going let's keep this machine going. i'm curious man so what like you know <laughs> you've actually had a, a degree of success here which is really cool and like one of the things that i think is really interesting about the work that you're doing is that it does you know it transcends traditional art how we think of it in terms of like you create something that some people come and see right like what what you're doing you've turned into um this interactive <clears throat> community process where people are learning people are um getting more exposed to creative stuff but also the fact that um there are these natural things going on around them that that sort of need their time and attention um and i'm curious you know, with so many different sort of environmental and ecological issues today, um, what do you think the role of creative people ought to be is to sort of bring awareness and uh, and action to these things? I don't really want to tell creative people what they ought to be or not be, but um, or what about what is their potential? I mean, potential. how how can we be moving these things? You know, maybe like everyone generally not just creative people need to you know maybe go out into the planet you know somewhere where it like hasn't been 
paved over by concrete and sit really quietly. You know, sit like, really just sit and listen for a little while. Barefoot or naked, if you prefer. Um, right. <laughs> you know, maybe in a tent, because mosquitoes, if you're doing it down here in the swamp, mosquitoes will get you. <laughs> but, you know, just like connect with it, listen to it, talk to it, you know? Just, we're, I don't know, either, either we're aliens from another planet, and we don't need this place, and we just came here to dominate completely and pave it all over and live in these like metal buildings. Okay, then that's what we're destiny, you know? Or we come from this planet, and we need to remember that that's what's going on, you know? And just like humans need their community to, you know, to empower themselves and, and move forward, even though it seems very difficult nowadays, everything seems so spread out. Everyone seems to be competing instead of working together, but. And, and it's even a struggle with me. I like here by myself in my studio, even my scientists communing with the creature. Right. But um, shit. Lucky for me, this process has led me to to have to connect with like you know people outside of my age range, people outside of my like you know have biologists come visit me in my studio, you know, or me going to this this like lady's backyard to see her beautiful butterfly garden and connect with her and share with her and have her like let me like caterpillars and things and they're part of this this whole process i would have never met them or even connected with them or even wanted to because i'm like painting graffiti on this wall i'm just like my headphones and vibing with the music and like maybe like communing with the outer space aliens but like <laughs> you know like some doing something weird within my own bubble this this process lets me like makes me forces me to go outside and i almost set myself up with this problem right problem like a math problem that i have to solve and forces me to connect with that, with the community. There is no, I wouldn't be able to do these two paintings right here without the help of like so many people that have brought me caterpillars that like are helping me raise plants that I've given them. Yeah. You know, like I was literally planting like seven flowering plants at, at a friend's garden, the same garden I've been talking about where I just had a talk there and talk to people about it. So it's, I'm not the kind of person that wants to even do this podcast. You know? Right, right, right. Earlier I was a little late. I had to take a bike ride to like kind of just like. Yeah, yeah studio back and forth and be anxious about it <laughs> so you know is that like a natural thing for you like that like it's difficult for you to talk about yourself or is it more like a belief that you hold that work should speak for itself no not really a belief i think it's just like a personal thing i don't want to like do that but um yeah yeah but uh, to answer your your question more immediately like maybe like i do think the artists musicians every, like i think musicians and artists and actors and and so on, right? Every every artist from every every field, no matter how you work, like you do have a responsibility. Like you're the voice. Yeah. And now we're talking on this podcast because I'm making this. And so, you know, what you do is important. You know, and you, you know, yeah, take that responsibility, even if like maybe you know, at the end of the day, if nobody cares about these paintings, then there's still like a thousand butterflies flying in the air, and there's still butterfly garden where there wasn't one, and there's bees and butterflies here i didn't see a year ago right outside this warehouse right you know people have heard the same thing before you can make a change you know you can do it but it's, it's, it's more like it's more like you know i've had conversations with other people you know where like certain, they take the arts lightly you know like feel like like movies and, and music take it lightly like it's just entertainment no every single that's how we learn you know yeah like play is learning you know yeah and there is no separation between like learning art you know, eventually there's not going to be a separation between artist and scientist and teacher, you know? Right. Like, right this process, I'm blurring all those lines, and I'm working on how to become a better teacher, how to become a better speaker, how to become 
a better scientist, you know, how to become and art has led me to doing all these things and blur all these lines. I, I think that's why I chose art because, you know, I come from a background where like you don't have those opportunities and, and the schooling that you're getting is not really like, at least for me, not challenging enough where, where like I cared about it more than like the situation I was in. Right. Or more than, like immediate interaction with humans. And, like, so like you don't really see like the potential. I never saw like as a kid, like the, potential for me to be able to be a biologist you know what i mean i'm yeah. teaching myself now yeah you know where i come from like it's a it's it's not really like too many the ones that escape and do something great you mm. know or like or get into you know what i mean get just follow their dreams and they're in it there are there are people definitely from my neighborhood doing amazing things but that's the struggle right you're not immediately like around like you know like you know i've like called my friends who who are self-taught like botanists, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. For advice on what what do I what kind of light do I need? What kind of, you know what I mean? I didn't, yeah. didn't have a friend that went that got their PhD in botany. Now I'm starting to make those friends, but like, right. From where I come from, like, there's different kind of like, a, yeah, you just like figure a, it out, man. But I mean, you have to just figure it out. Yeah. And, uh, well, I I think that's like for me, man. That's one of the interesting things about looking at environmental art and how people you know how artists are looking at this because i think like you know you're kind of coming from the angle right now of like your background but i think that like this this notion of like futility and how you know am i actually making a difference um you know is my work actually like having any kind of a voice this is something that artists have dealt with for fucking ever right like that's been a big question mark for artists always. But what's interesting is that like these giant environmental crises, you know, when you're looking at global warming or like, you know, mass extinctions of species across every size of animal now that like is just becoming like every every week it's happening, right? That like animals are just getting wiped out. Now these are problems where like the general public feels the same futility, right? And so I think there's an interesting argument to be made that like, maybe artists are some of the best prepared to address these issues because they're already used to this question of like, well, is what I have to say even going to matter? <laughs> you know what I mean? Definitely. Since, the, yeah, since you started, I don't know, even thinking about showing things to people or having, creating a dialogue with an audience or anything like that. It's like, we want to see this. Like In a way, like I've had to get some struggles with even my process. Like, why would people, you know, really right, see right, these, right, like, right. Or these objects or these splatters, like, there would be a lot, if people didn't know that these splatters came with all this history, then like maybe no one would care about like a, like a pink splatter anymore, you know? Yeah. So definitely still, still struggling with that. Yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm so fueled by like the forward momentum yeah. where like I still need 150 butterflies to finish this piece. Um, I need to get a bunch of ground cover flowering plants for the garden. You know, like I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm not taking yeah, yeah. it step by step and continuously moving forward. And, and 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 working on just new ways of doing this better, right? Yeah. And definitely, um, how you know what what products can I make that can fund this, and how can I get funding to do this, right? So that's 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 all of that is just it doesn't. I don't have too much room right now to to even ask that, you know. So actually, at the end of the day, like I want to share this with everyone. I'm super open. I want people to love this and buy all of it. Yeah. You know, someone come here and buy all these pieces so I can continue doing this, you know. But <laughs> At the end of the day, I'm going to continue doing it, even if nobody looks at it, you know? Yeah. I don't want to say, like, I don't care. Nobody, I don't want to say that, but it's like, I'm not going to stop doing this. And 
who knows how long this specific work will keep going, but it's definitely going to be like an evolution of this. And I'm going through my own metamorphosis as I go through this process. And I've grown a lot since the inception of this piece itself. So like I'm changing and growing myself along with these pictures and over and over again. Yeah. Myself to be like different than, than the, our past stigmas, you know, like little by little. So, well, I, for what it's worth, man, I mean, you've definitely made fans of uh, of us at State of the Art. I think what you're doing is is really, really cool. I hope that, uh, you know, I hope in whatever small small way we can help out and bring people to what you're doing, um, we can do that. And, uh, you know, I think these these question marks of, you know, that all the slowdowns in the creative process and the question marks about where it's going and all that stuff like that's all part of the process right and i think that um one of the really cool things that you've done is you know this this notion of like the work whether or not people are responding to it the work is keeping me going like that's a very creative mindset and i think one of the cool things you've done is like your work doesn't just include sitting in front of a canvas right like your work includes um integrating with the community, teaching people things that matter, getting kids excited about stuff that um, that they need to be excited about. And like, you know, this work has a life of its own, but it's also very integrated into your creative practice. And I think that's something that, um, you know, for you, it seems like just kind of evolved and you might sort of take as a given at this point. But I think a lot of artists out there would be really jealous to find, you know, a work that inspires them to be um, sort of as active away from their medium as they are in their medium, you know, like it's all one bundle for you. Um, and that's, you know, as someone who's just around the arts, something that's really exciting to see because it's not that common that you see that. Yeah. I, I personally need this to be, to be able to go out and wrangle caterpillars. Right. The words that they come back, plants that are going to go in the garden or like go and, and connect, you know, just spread all these like roots everywhere. Yeah. I know satisfy all these different urges that I personally like there's no way that I could sit in front of a canvas all day and you know, like just can't I have to go outside and like paint a mural or like create a scope like also happens in, in waves where like things would turn on and off before like this process where I'm like okay I'm gonna dedicate to this process and not to, like not not him not 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 steer away from it. But um definitely. So I I have to say like what like I've like put a lot of time and thought into into this, into getting myself into the position and like how like sitting here trying to decipher this problem like how can i satisfy this 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 and this and this like how can i make a product that does this that has this that has this and this you know like yeah i you know if i was if i was like a water bottle company you know like how can i you know create a product and put it in something that's maybe corn based or something that's not you know because now we're thinking ecologically now we're thinking about or what people say the carbon footprint or that that concept of like what you leave behind and what you off gas you know um yeah so yeah yeah on a tangent well start talking about cycling <laughs> and a whole nother series of work that i'm interested in also that has to do with that do you consider yourself an environmental an environmental artist or an ecological artist i mean how do you think of yourself with respect to that that part of your work i um you would hashtag that i wouldn't be too mad but at the same time like I don't want to like box myself in in any way sure. and be like, I want to be like a brown artist or a Dominican artist or a nature artist or like, I'm an artist that, you know what I mean? Like, 
that communicates with nature like in a way that maybe like a shaman would or something we're like i'm talking to these plants and i'm like you know there's moments where like yeah we're intertwined you know and it's almost like no i'm just making art with my friends here you know yeah yeah i'm not separate from i am separate from nature because i'm wearing these rubber shoes right now i'm wearing a shirt and i'm with a concrete foundation on me but i don't consider myself separate you know what i mean yeah. more and more actually the more i go into this the more Actually, there's, there's all sorts of conversations happening where, wow, we do, we do, we are, so, we are wearing clothes. We're the only ones on this planet wearing clothes. Why are we wearing clothes? Right. But, <laughs> but at the same time, no, not separate from them. You know, I'm just an artist and that word I'm just using so humans can understand. <laughs> right, 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 right curious and likes to likes to make things and will never stop being curious and never stop um bringing things from the ether materializing them into in in front of us even if it's with things that already exist or like one day my thoughts will manifest as a solid object you know via some kind of technology or whatever you know right well look man I, uh, th- this has been an awesome conversation. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm super excited about the work you're doing and I'm super happy that I can introduce that work to our listeners. And I hope that, uh, that they all check it out and, um, become fans and start to think more about the types of things that you're thinking about. Um, so how, uh, how can people find you? How can people get a hold of you? Um, at my Instagram. At Toulouse Lautrec, so that's T O O L O O S E, like Toulouse. Right. You know? <laughs> Trek, L A U T R E C, like the painter Toulouse Lautrec, so it's a, a play on his name. I love it, man. That's my Instagram and at frankacruz.com, you know, they can, they will soon find this donation button that I will, that I will put on there. Right now, if you <laughs> click on there, you will see the video of the process. It's not the website's not set up yet, but there's a video on the on the process and Moby's music's on there legally. You guys can enjoy that and watch that video. <laughs> yeah, and um, and there you go. Nice man. Also, um, House of Spinello, the gallery that I'm working with. Yeah, um, really cool gallery. And Spinello Projects. Um, I don't know if you guys know of them, but yeah, that's that's the gallery I'm, I'm working with here in Miami. So uh, expect the show coming coming soon. 2020 and um other activations throughout the year i'm gonna the lab will pop up somewhere multiple places this year and uh, paintings will continue so also come visit my lab if you guys uh, can yeah that, and you're what you're in south florida right open to the public yeah nice <laughs> i mean you know send me a send me a dm <laughs> yeah don't just show up and expect <laughs> the red I, carpet you might pass <laughs> <laughs> awesome man well look before before i let you go go there's a tradition here for every episode we do a couple rapid fire questions at the end just to decompress easy things not not on the same topic just off the top of your head y- you game for that go for it. awesome man all right so uh the first one is if we checked out your playlist what is the most likely song that you've last listened to Shaq west mo Bamba. very nice i love that you have it on <laughs> on <laughs> fire man <laughs> Getting ready for this podcast right now. <laughs> Very nice. It was the motivation. There you go. That energy. I needed that energy. What, what is your What is your favorite Florida man story? Oh God, I just heard one yesterday. I don't know if it's my favorite one. <laughs> I oh, love it's gnarly. Um, it's pretty gnarly. <laughs> Florida man story. Oh, now I want to hear it. 
<laughs> someone, someone recently ate of someone's face for Jesus or something. Who? Who? Not just his face eating zombies. This was like recent. Someone killed a couple people and ate one of their faces. Oh man, Florida man. Yeah, gnarly. <laughs> that's not. That's the last one that literally someone brought that up yesterday. And I didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild, man. <laughs> Only in Florida, I guess. The other one I was thinking about was. Not, we're not mentioning on this podcast. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Next question, yeah. And then, last but not least, man, if you could meet anyone at all, living or dead, any hero or anti-hero, whatever you like, who would it be? Mm, living or dead, living or dead. I mean, I want to say living because, like, I need to, you know, I need to make some connections maybe <laughs> with my Elon Musk or something. I could use right a social power. Like, I would love to power. This lab with the sun, you know what I mean. There Actually, anyone who who's gonna hook me up with a battery and a solar unit that we can do this. So let's just just say Elon for now. Elon Musk. I love it, man. I love the motivation behind it too. Like let's just let's just get this studio hooked up so that it can be off the grid. I like that. I don't want to stay off the grid because you know that people needs to make their money. Sure. I'll, I'll turn I'll turn something on, plug something out for them. But these butterflies are solar powered themselves. The plants are also solar powered themselves like they, they need the they need the the sun yeah why am i why why this middleman right now i want this process to be you know how beautiful like if, if this if i could run my lab like a plant i love it man you're you're all about this like recursion concept right like the- is there any other way like we need that or like we're not gonna survive there you go man it's everywhere awesome <laughs> Well, Frankie, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, like I said, I hope all of our listeners check it out. Um, <clears throat> listeners will have all the all the show notes with uh, all the social handles and stuff. So please go check out his work. Um, it's It's been a blast, man. Thank you so much for being here. And I, I wish you all the best of luck. Same, same to you, man. I'm very grateful. This is a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much. Awesome, man. Cheers. As always, listeners, thank you for tuning in to this episode of State of the Art. And uh, if you like what we're doing here at State of the Art, or if you like this episode, please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Five-star reviews are always great. That's the most helpful thing you can do to help us, to help us grow, and to find other awesome listeners that like the same things you do. So thank you so much again, and I hope you tune in next week for another episode of State of the Art.